great to have you here. Welcome to the podcast with me and my guests from around the world. Welcome to the Simon Filer podcast. Welcome to this podcast. Let's get into it, shall we? On the Simon Filer podcast. My guest today is Dr. Justin Coulson. Thank you for coming in and recording your audio book with me today, Justin. What made you decide to actually do your book in audio? Well, you know, um, we've got a bunch of people who really like the stuff that I'm doing, but sometimes, if I'm really honest, it's usually mums who are saying, oh, I'd really like my husband to read this, but he won't read it. But if we can get it in an audio format, he'll listen to it in the car. And so um, that's what really prompted us. We, we, this is for dads. This is to help dads to actually listen to this stuff while they're driving around in the car instead of listening to I don't know, Triple M or something like that. <laughs> I think it's an absolutely invaluable book to be listening to. I've got three kids myself and, you know, they're a little bit older now, but you've got one to counteract teenagers <laughs> as well. But from what I've just heard, this is a must-have. It's kind of like the book that you should get when you have children. So... Any dad that listens to it or mum is going to be well served for the future to get on better and have a closer relationship with their children from my perspective anyway. No, thank you. That's great. So um, how did you find the process recording here with me at BrisbaneAudiobookProduction.com? So I've done a bunch of different audiobooks now. Uh, the first three that I did were all done uh, via my publisher and they organized uh, different studios and you know rights had been sold and so on but because this was a self-published book uh, I, I I really just needed somebody convenient who actually had the right setup and gear so uh, you know I live just 20 minutes away and it was convenient but but I think you know once you step into the studio and you've got all the soundproofing and you've got the right gear it's it's actually a pretty a pretty good experience you know there's nothing to worry about uh, it's quiet I've been in some studios where we have to stop every time a, a vehicle drives past, mm. uh, but it's quiet here. It's uh, it's it's relaxed and cozy, and um, yeah, r- really just just great to work with you, Simon. I think that's probably the main thing. You know, just relaxed and pretty cruisy, and we got through it in record time. I mean, we, we just did. flew through it. It was great. Yeah, you like, mate, you smashed it out. You said to you, you're not a big fan of being in the booth all the time, but I said, if anyone needs someone to narrate the book, can I suggest you? And you said, no. No, no. <laughs> uh, you know what? I really love what I do, and I love the books that I've written, and your setup here is perfect for what what my needs are. You know, to, to get a book narrated and, and get it taken care of is is great. Uh, and I'm always going to read my own books. I'm not going to ask somebody else to do it. Uh, but if somebody was to hear my narration and say, oh, I like that, I'd like him to narrate mine as well, I'd probably um, decline politely. <laughs> it's 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 hard yakka, you know, to sit in a studio and just have to keep on going and going and going. But, you know, the other thing that I, I noticed that you did really well is that, um, you know, I'd be sitting here and I wouldn't notice that I'd popped on my pee or that I was swallowing a word here or there or schlimming across something. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you just call out and go back to the start of that sentence or even halfway through the sentence. And obviously you've got the editorial capacity or the the editing capability, I should say, Mm. to be able to make those edits pretty tidy. So... Uh, that that's something that I was grateful for, that I wasn't having to reread entire paragraphs all over the place. And oh, That's uh, good to know. Yeah, that was good. I love that. That's my favourite task to do is editing. I know that's bizarre, isn't it? It is a little, yeah. <laughs> all right. I want to go back to uh, a little bit earlier on in your life when you were a, a young child. How was that for you? Did that prompt you at all from your upbringing to write, to become a doctor for families? 
No, not at all. Uh, I grew up on the New South Wales Central Coast. I had a pretty carefree childhood. My parents were always busy with the stuff that was important to them, and we were uh, we were loved tremendously. My parents sacrificed enormously for us, um, but you know, I just was interested in surfing and keeping as far away from my family as I could. Uh, I had very little interest in anything other than being in the water. I hated school. Um, <laughs> didn't really enjoy hanging out with my family at all. I wasn't particularly easy to get along with as a teenager, uh, and my parents probably pulled their hair out uh, and and cried a lot because of me. I think I caused them a fair bit of grief. And it wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I had my own kids and realized that I was woefully inept. I had no idea how to do this parenting thing. And fortunately, I have a very patient wife who stood beside me as I quit my career and went back to school for what ended up being eight and a half years full time Mm. uh, from my late 20s into my mid 30s. And got a couple of degrees, and uh, you know, received my education. And uh, we had, we went from having two kids at that point to having five kids by the time I'd finished my education. And then when I worked as a university lecturer and then started my own business, we had our sixth child. Mm. And so, uh, I mean, the whole reason that I went back to school was actually, and and you know, became a doctor of psychology. The whole reason was because um, I was struggling as a dad. I wasn't doing a very good job of it at all. And uh, I felt like the only way that I could really be the best parent that I could be was to go out and get all of these qualifications and learn what psychology and child development and all that sort of stuff is really about. And fortunately, uh, for the most part, I'd have to say that it it worked. I mean, I still don't make any claims to being a perfect parent. I get it wrong every day, <laughs> but um, but I certainly get a lot more right than I was getting it, you know, in the early days of my parenting experience. Mm. Well, obviously, incredibly busy, Doctor. Coulson, running your family doctor practice. You share lots of content on social media about better ways to be close and there for your children. You do live presentations. You're obviously a husband, father to six daughters. Do you actually um, get any downtime at all? Do you sleep? <laughs> well, I, I don't get a lot of sleep, but my, my downtime is usually about four in the morning. A few days a week, usually four days a week, I'll jump up at four. I'll be on the bike by about 4.15 and, uh, and then I get home at about seven. So I try to knock out about 300 k's a week on the bike and that's my, that's my me time, if you will. Uh, and, and that works pretty well every now and again. Uh, it doesn't work so well because, as you can imagine, there's a fair bit of physical fatigue that goes along with that. Yeah. And by about 8 p.m., if the kids aren't in bed, I'm starting to get a little bit grumpy. Uh, so, you know, plenty of opportunities for me to practice what I preach. Mm. Um, I've got a very patient wife. She's wonderful. And, um, and and we really work very, very hard on on our relationship there as well. But I think, I think the main thing, Simone, is other than that little bit of time that I jump on the bike and go and do what I do, my life isn't really about me and it's not really for me. Uh, and and that, this, this can even sound self-serving even saying it. So I, I kind of, I feel a bit uncomfortable saying it. Nevertheless, uh, what I really do is I try to help other families to be happy. I try to help parents to be kind to their kids and give them the tools and the strategies and the support to lighten their load and, and help them feel better about their role as a parent. And when you spend literally all day, every day doing your very best to help other people, you kind of, you get into bed at the end of every night and having me time is not really that important. Your life feels pretty fulfilling and, and it's a wonderful way to be. Yeah, I guess just helping other people must be like me time itself because when you do help people, I know myself, I feel like you feel really grateful that you've got an opportunity that can help someone out. So you on such a a huge task to help people parent their children to have more fulfilling lives and to have 
children that grow up in more nurturing and loving environments and become better parents, better people and better parents eventually. That must be so gratifying for you. It's a pretty awesome feeling, you know, to get an email from a parent who says, I was falling apart and I read that thing or I heard that thing that you did or said and I tried it and all of a sudden I feel like there's hope again. Kind of feel like our, our job or my job is to is to be a hope builder, to help parents feel like they can get through it and and, and to encourage parents to be hope builders for their kids. You know, when their kids are having a hard time, to be the person who sits with their child and puts their arm around them and says, it's really tough, isn't it? I'm here for you. How can I help? What's the best way forward? We can, we can work this out together. There's something awesome about parents who are able to do that. Uh, and, and, and that's what I really love to do. And, and to get that feedback is, like you said, it's pretty gratifying. Um, and, uh, and it sort of ties in with the, the psychology research, which shows that uh, getting more and more me time doesn't necessarily make us happier. It often just makes us more selfish and more resentful of the time that isn't ours. Whereas when we give our lives away, when we do everything that we can to uh, not worry about the me time, but to actually just make a difference in other people's lives, we tend to find that uh, a, a bit more uplifting, a bit more inspiring. Our lives feel like they're much more full and complete. Mm, so true. So once again, I definitely highly recommend that you have a listen to Dr. Justin's uh, brand new audio book coming out very shortly, or it might be out already on Audible. And I think you said it's going to be available from your website, Doctor. Yeah, we'll have it for uh, Justin's fine, by the way. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Doctor, <laughs> Doctor makes me feel like I'm about forty years older than I am. <laughs> right. Uh, it's uh, it's available uh, at happyfamilies.com.au. Okay, excellent. How do you engage to be the caring and nurturing father? that you are when you write your books. How hard is it? Is it easy or is it hard? Or do you have to really pull yourself up to think, you know, I'm not really doing what I say that you should be doing? Yeah, there's a, bit, there's, there's a couple of elements to that question. I mean, the first thing is that my kids are just kids, right? It's not their fault that they got me as their parent. Uh, <laughs> they got born into this family and this is, this is what they're stuck with. And every now and again, they roll their eyes and they're like, oh, dad, you're going all psychologist on me again. Uh, <laughs> and so it's, it's a bit of a tricky balance because I want them to have a normal childhood, but I also want the very best for them. And I want to spend my time teaching them and helping them and lifting them. And I want them to be better. I want them to be awesome. And sometimes kids are like, I don't want to be any better. I just want to be angry at my sister and be allowed to scream and shout. And there's also the other aspect where I'm kind of, uh, I'm trying to be the perfect parent all the time, but there's no such thing. Uh, and, and so when I get it wrong, I, you know, I feel much worse about it, I reckon, than, than many parents might feel about it because I know better. And I'm supposed to be able to do better. But then there's the stress of life and I'm trying to run a business and deal with all the kids and all the pressure and all the drama. And I'm tired because I was silly and got up at four o'clock this morning for a bike ride. And, <laughs> yeah, and then did 300 Ks. Yeah, so it's all like. that kind of stuff. Uh, it all's kind of, it, it's a little bit tricky. But, you know, I look at where my family was 20 odd years ago when we started this journey. And um, I think that we were in danger of not actually being a family at all. I think mm. that's the reality. You know, I was... Not much of a husband. I was a lousy dad. Not because I was actually a bad human. I just didn't know how to do this stuff. And I was making a mess of it. Uh, and then, you know, I had a chat with my wife and we went, or I went back to school with her support. And she was just incredible in, in the way she supported me for, for that long with the kids and with the mortgage and with all that sort of stuff. Um, it's, uh, it's the sort of thing that literally has saved our family. The stuff that I learned, we put it into practice and it made a difference. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the other reason that I'm so passionate about it. You know, uh, I know that this is a, a, a kind of a, a challenging thing to hear. It's, it's, a, it's a sensitive issue, 
but when I talk to people, no matter what the circumstances of their family are, whether they're together or whether they're divorced, whether they're blended families or whatever it might be, most parents will agree, most adults will agree that getting family life right is probably the most important thing that you can do in your life. And if it hasn't been right and it's all fallen apart, trying to rescue it and repair it and make it right based on where we are right now becomes the central thing. We want our kids to grow up to be happy and resilient. We want our relationships to be strong. We want that thing where 20 years from now, we can all sit around the, the barbecue or you know around the dining table, getting stuck into a, a good meal with everyone laughing and enjoying one another's company and being together as a family. It's kind of like family is it, right? Like, like mm. what, what matters more than family? at any point in our lives, I don't think there is much more. Mm -hmm. And so from my point of view, if I can help to strengthen families, then uh, I've lived a good life. Yeah, well, I would like to say thanks very much for, you know, quitting your radio career, whatever (laughs) happened there, and going and doing this. (laughs) Because like I said to begin with when we started chatting, that I think this book is invaluable for people to listen to if they want to start treating their children with the respect the children deserve and also to obviously have a you know wonderful outcome when the ch- as the children grow up and it's i've said i laughed and cried throughout your book about the stories you told because yeah i've been there wanting to choke my kids <laughs> like poem with bart simpson but there's such a different way to approach things and that's why people need to listen to your book and i can imagine you've got a few others that they need to read them as well and listen to them well, yeah, we've got um, we've got this one that you've done, and uh, we've got three others that have come out uh, through other places. You know, p- people can get them uh, via the various audiobook websites that are out and about. And um, and what are they called? Uh, so one of them is called Nine Ways to a Resilient Child. Uh, the next one is called Ten Things Every Parent Needs to Know, right. uh, which is um, just a. It's been a very, very, very popular book, and the most popular book that I've written now has been uh, a book about teenage girls. Being a dad to six daughters, I was kind of well qualified to write this one. Uh, (laughs) I thought I was having it tough with three. You've got six. Yeah, you don't know nothing yet. (laughs) Um, And and so that one's called (laughs) Misconnection, Why Your Teenage Daughter Hates You, Expects the World and Needs to Talk. That sounds like impulsive reading for me. Yeah. And so where to next? I mean, you're so busy with your social media. Yesterday when you were in recording, you did a, a live Facebook cross do you enjoy doing that sort of stuff? Uh, you know, I, I think that what matters most is not whether I enjoy things, but whether people get value from them. And if I can help families, then I'll spend more time on Facebook. It's 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 that kind of thing. Um, I, I'm not a huge lover of social media, but I know that that's where a lot of people are. So I spend I spend enough time there to be as helpful as I can. Uh, in terms of what's next, Simone, I reckon uh, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. I'm not one of those people who's constantly out there setting goals and trying to be more and do more and have more. Uh, my interest is in reaching as many people as I can. That's that's pretty much it. Mm. You know, if I can reach people, if I can touch their lives, if I can help them to make their families happier, uh, that's pretty much it. And it's kind of been a, a worthwhile philosophy for me. You know, uh, at, at time of at the time that we're recording this conversation, um, I just had a notification come up on Facebook a couple of days ago. And you know how Facebook gives you those, you know, on this day and it shows you flashbacks from what you posted however many years ago on that day. Yeah. So it was on this day nine years ago that I was getting very excited because I had somewhere between 250 and 300 followers on my Facebook page. And I was like, 
I can't believe I've got 250 or 300 people who like what I do. I was getting so excited that there were that many of them because yeah. I didn't know that many people, which meant that a bunch of them were actually people. <laughs> not, not your friends. Yeah, not my friends and family. <laughs> uh, and, and today, um, I think we've got something like 135,000 people who have liked and 150,000 people who have followed the page. Oh, congratulations. So, so over nine years, this idea of let's not worry about setting goals and I'm not even I'm not chasing the likes. I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is helping and adding value to people's lives. And uh, it seems that, that that has a better effect on building my, my social media profile <laughs> than, than trying to chase numbers, which is probably going to be more of a counterproductive way to go. Yeah, totally agree. So your ideas that you get for your book, does that come from research or does it come from talking to people or do you meditate as such and these ideas come to you that you think this is what parents need to find? Yeah, so I'm an, I'm an academic uh, I'm a I'm a scholar, right? I'm a guy that's got a PhD and was working as a lecturer and a, as a researcher in a university setting. Uh, after I'd had that initial sort of eight or ten years in radio at the at the beginning of my life, uh, so I had a, a radio career. Then I studied, and then I was an academic. So everything that I talk about, everything that I lean on to give me the direction for the books that I write, has a, a really strong evidence base. I'd love to just say that, you know, I'd love to be able to sit down and just make stuff up, but I'm not, not actually that creative. Uh, what, what I have to do is look at what the evidence says and, and consider what people are struggling with and then go back to the research and, and find creative ways to look at research that might be relevant and helpful. But what I also do is I, in fact, my last book, the one about teenage girls is probably the best example of this. I interviewed and surveyed and uh, focus grouped something around about 400 Australian teenage girls. Uh, so that I could, I, I wanted their voices to be central. I just didn't feel like a mid-40s male <laughs> had the authority to tell people what a teenage girl is thinking. Yeah. Uh, but, but by interviewing and surveying these girls and getting their words, their voices are, are so prominent throughout the book. Uh, and so the book is a collection of uh, struggles and the voices of the girls combined with uh, a whole lot of stories and experiences that they've either had or that I've had with my own. Oh, actually, I don't really talk about my own daughters in that book at all. Um, but certainly some of their issues and challenges prompted the questions that I asked of others. Mm. Uh, and then I lean on the research and I say, all right, so here's the, here's the challenge. You know, we know that friendships are a really big issue for teenage girls. What's going on? What does the research tell us? And what can we do as parents to, to help them to navigate those challenging social situations? Or we know that body image is such a challenge for every female in the, the Western world. civilization, <laughs> yeah. but particularly for our teenage girls. You know, they tell us, uh, if I'm not hot, I can't be popular. Mm, especially with the advent of Instagram and Snapchat. Yeah, I, I don't think that social media has made it any easier for them, that's for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll, I'll get that, that information from them, and then I'll go back to the research and uh, and have a look at what other scholars have discovered, other uh, scientific investigations have uncovered and incorporate all of that. And that's the way that I tend to approach writing a book. Mm. I'm going to work on another couple of books over the next few years uh, because that's what I do. I write books and I give talks and uh, help people to get access to this information that they otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah, that's good. Well, keep doing that job because you're doing a great job at it. Where can people contact you? Um, you know what? If you Google my name, it's probably going to lead to me. There's only a few Justin Coulsons out there, and I kind of dominate the first few pages of Google. So I'm not trying to do that. I'm sorry to any other Justin <laughs> Coulson. It's just what happens when you publish prolifically. I've got a fair bit of content out there. Yeah. So 
Justin Coulson. If you Google me, it'll end up at, at, at my website, happyfamilies.com.au. And uh, I've got a podcast. It's called Dr. Justin Coulson's Happy Families. Excellent. Uh, I've got a... Um, I don't know. I've got a whole bunch of other stuff that's out there, that, uh, you know, the Facebook page and so on. So yeah. if anyone wants more info, they can find me there. All right. Well, thank you so much, firstly, for coming in and doing your audio book with me and for the chat. Really appreciate it. And, yeah, I will be talking to any of my friends that need help with their children and sending them to Dr. Justin Coulson. <laughs> good on you, Simon. No, thanks for having me. It's been a really good experience, and I'm glad that we've been able to do that and have the conversation. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. And my guests from around the world. Thank you for being a part of this show. The Simon Filer Podcast. Catch you next time. It's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>